0: When we talk to a lot of people who have a lot of questions about their financial plan and investment strategies, many of those questions are the same ones with a few different facts and just a different name. So today, we've filtered down a few of the big ones that we get quite often, and we're going to discuss and answer them on today's episode of the Retirement Income Show.
1: Welcome to the Retirement Income Show with Michael Easton. Where we're building your tomorrow. Powered by the Retirement Income Source. And brought to you by Fellowship Financial. Be prepared to hear ideas, concepts, and strategies that may challenge the way you were taught to think about saving and investing for retirement. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to it. Now, here's this week's Retirement Income Show. Where we're building your tomorrow. With your host, Michael Eastom.
0: Welcome everyone. I'm Michael Eastom here with my good friend Dave Stearns. And together we are the Retirement Income Show. Thanks so much for joining on this episode. We are truly about the income, and that's one of the reasons we're on the air. Everybody's got lots of questions about investments and retirement and how to prepare for the perfect retirement. You know, that Goldilocks status or that rainbow unicorn, right, Dave? Well, today we find a lot of people have some of the same questions because many of them affect all of us. And so we're going to touch base on a few of these questions and get you some answers. And our first question, Dave, is from your good friend, Donovan, who's been waiting very, very patiently. And Donovan says, I'm single and I earn over $250,000 a year. I've got about $1.1 million in my 401k. Since I'm 61, I know I can roll this into an IRA. I'm about to pull the trigger on that. I'm also thinking about doing some conversions to a Roth, but I'm not really sure it makes sense. Can you help me think this through? Well, Dave, this is a little bit of a complex one. And sometimes we get those types of things where there are a lot of moving parts. And the first thing that I would tell you, Donovan, is I'm glad you're thinking about these. These are really important. And I agree that doing an in-service rollover Or in other words, what you described as just taking your 401k out, putting it into an IRA, certainly is a good start because when you're this close to retirement age, then you definitely want to evaluate the portfolio that you have and the way that you're invested. We've said this many times about the tools that are available in 401ks, and they're really growth-oriented. Mutual funds, some ETFs, maybe some bond funds and common stocks. But for the most part, those are growth oriented. And so when you roll it out, you have the ability to look at more things that are designed for income, like we talk about quite frequently. Right, Dave?
2: Yeah, definitely. I like the question. I like the first part of your answer for sure. You know, Donovan, he's really engaged. I like that. You know, he's kind of coming out of that four turn, headed for the straightaway at age 61. So I like the in-service rollover, but I realized for our listeners, that word in-service, you know, that may be a little bit like jargon. So I think what our listeners need to just understand is what Michael is saying is that if you leave and you're severed from service, you can clearly roll your 401k out into an IRA. But when you're still working there, once you get over 59 and a half, 60 years old, many 401k plans allow for what Donovan is asking. And that is you go to the HR director and you say, hey, I'm still working. So that means, can I do an in-service? Can I do a direct transfer out into my outside IRA? And that's really what we're talking about. Tons of good reasons to do that as you think about beginning to position those dollars for income, because when those paychecks in, mm-hmm. you got to have a plan B for new paychecks. And so often, like you said, those 401k plans are great for while you're working, great for getting you to the retirement dance. But hard to dance with, you got to have some income coming in in retirement. So I think that's really good. What about this tax bracket situation though, Michael, for Donovan? I mean, Roth conversions, I'm not so sure about it.
0: That's definitely something to stew on because when you're a higher income earner like Donovan is, then you have to really ask yourself, does it make sense? I mean, If you're single and $250,000 in income, you're going to be in the 32% or the 35% tax bracket. And those are pretty staggering numbers because you have to think about if you do a Roth conversion, you're going to have to pay some taxes. And if you have to pay $75,000 in taxes, then that could be a pretty big hit. And you have to make that up over time. And that could take you anywhere from, you know, five to seven, maybe even 10 years to make up the cost of the taxes that you had to pay to do the Roth conversion. So you have to look at that as your break-even point. And if you feel like, hey, I'm not going to need this money for the next 10 years, then perhaps it could make sense. But a lot of times folks don't take that into consideration. So I'm glad you're asking that question, does it make sense? Because many people hear Roth conversion and they automatically go to the end and they say, well, Roth conversion means no taxes on the Roth going forward and also no taxes when I take it out. And those are all true, but you have to count the cost. That's a big deal. So if you have questions about whether making an in-service rollover makes sense for you or even a Roth conversion, well, I'd love to have the opportunity to talk you through that and help you make an informed decision. And one of the best ways to take advantage of that, to learn, is to give us a call at 844-308-4861. That's Fellowship Financial. and schedule our free retirement risk review. And we'll look at your 401k. We'll look at Roth conversions and help you understand what are the implications and how it can help you going forward, making good informed decisions. So call Fellowship Financial, 844-308-4861 and schedule that free retirement risk review today. Well, thanks so much for being with us here on the Retirement Income Show. I'm Michael Easton with Fellowship Financial, my good friend, Dave Stearns. We're together co-hosting the Retirement Income Show, where today we're taking your questions and getting you the answers you need to make good, informed decisions.
2: Michael, we're talking a lot about Roth conversion taxes, and I like what you pointed out as far as that break-even point down the road. I think what I want to do is I just want our listeners to know that You and I both believe that taxes are on sale today. Now, look, if you're driving, don't pull off the road. Don't swerve. I did just say that. Taxes are on sale because, you know, in the past, in fact, from 1936 to 1981, the top federal income tax bracket, which today is 37%. But guess what? From 1936 to 1981, it never went below 70%. And almost every person on the planet would agree that taxes are going to be higher in the future. So that's why you and I, Michael, we say that taxes are on sale. I've got a concern though, even though we know because of the debt of the United States government and just because of what it takes to operate and keep these programs alive, we know taxes are going to be higher in the future. But for our clients, we really want them to be thinking, look, if you've got to convert Dollars today from your IRA to your Roth IRA and pay 30 or 32 or 35%, it's going to be really hard to argue the taxes will be higher than that in the future. So what kind of tax range, Michael, when you're meeting with your clients, what kind of tax range do you feel like is a little bit more palatable? conversion.
0: Well, at least for the next couple of years, maybe the 22% tax bracket or as high as 24, but you're right. Once you get above there, it's a little bit more difficult to justify, and it's going to take a lot more time to get to that break-even point. One idea that you might want to consider, Donovan, is just wait till you actually retire before you consider Roth conversions because most likely your income is going to be much lower and you can possibly drop down into that lower tax bracket and get away with doing some Roth conversions with some money that you may or may not need at some point down the road. You have to evaluate that on an individual basis. Everyone's going to be different. But thanks so much for that question, Donovan. We're so glad you asked. And Dave, I want to jump into this next question because this is another one that we get quite frequently. There are still a few pension funds out there. And Karen has a question about a pension. Karen says, I'm 65. I'm going to retire in a year. I have a pension with several options, including a lump sum of $650,000. I also have a 401k with $500,000 in it. What's the best way to look at these tools and make a decision about what to do with them? I'm very confused. Dave, what do you think?
2: Well, it's a great question for Karen to ask, and I think it really connects with a lot of our listeners. Some of them have some pension envy, though, as they're listening. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Like you said, those are kind of like eight track tapes are about gone. But you know, one of the things that I would love to help Karen think about is, you know, I don't know if Karen's married or not, but we are thinking about taking that money out of that pension, six hundred and fifty thousand. She could leave it there and get a survivor benefit and then it'll take a reduction in her income. But the thing that I really don't love about doing that at all is, is, let's say she did have a spouse and she took a reduction in her monthly income and then her and her spouse were both killed in a tragic car accident five years into retirement. They don't really have anything left at that moment to leave behind to their loved ones or to the charities. And so, you know, Michael, with the way that you and I tend to invest for income and where we're at with interest rates right now, I mean, we could be thinking about like, five, maybe even 6% just in dividends and interest off of 650000 So I would say, Karen, look, unless you're able to get like $40,000 a year of income or more, you could maintain control of that principle and invest for dividends and interest. You don't really have to worry about a survivor income because at your death, that whole portfolio will keep producing income and pass on to your loved ones. That's kind of how I think about that. If I had Karen in my office, we'd go right up to the board and we'd do some math. But maintaining control over the principal, especially if you're with a financial advisor like you and I that know how to create stable income often makes more sense, Michael.
0: You know, Dave, that's right. And I think the operative word you used is control. I don't think that's financial jargon. I think that's just lifestyle jargon. And the reality is that is One of the primary issues. Another primary issue is do you really absolutely need every penny of that income? I found that if there's somebody who just can't sleep at night because they're afraid they're going to burn through the money, they don't trust themselves, and yet they need a fixed guaranteed layer of income, then perhaps the pension could be an option to consider. But I agree with you having control and having the ability to make decisions about income, whether you turn it off or you turn it on, about using some of the lump sum if you need it down the road. Those are all very important aspects to answering that question, Karen. Thanks so much for asking it. And if you would love to learn a little bit more, I'd encourage you to reach out to us. In fact, if you want to schedule that retirement risk review that we talked about earlier, I'd love to get that on the calendar for you, Karen, or any other listeners. You can do that very easily by calling Fellowship Financial at 844-308-4861. That's 844-308-4861. Or go to fellowshipfinancial.com and schedule that free retirement risk review today. We'll be happy to look at the risks that exist in your current strategy, identify them, prioritize them, and see which ones you feel like you need to address and give you some good direction on how to solve them. So take a minute now, 844-308-4861. That's 844-308-4861. We'll get that retirement risk review scheduled for you today. Thanks so much for listening to the Retirement Income Show. We're so glad you're here. I'm Michael East. I'm here with my good friend, Dave Stearns. Together, we are co-hosting the Retirement Income Show, and we're taking questions from our listeners.
2: I like what we're doing today, Michael, because it feels like we're solving old-fashioned story problems. Yeah. We're doing it on air. It's kind of a big deal. People listening need to know that you can actually have an advisor that can solve problems, listen, answer questions, and think way out of the box. Kind of a big deal.
0: Absolutely. I'm Michael Easton. here with my good friend, Dave Stearns. And together, we are the Retirement Income Show. Today, we're digging deep into some questions from our listeners and from other prospects and clients that we've talked to the last several weeks. We're so glad you're here. And if you missed any of the earlier part of this program, we make it real easy for you to get caught up. All you need to do is go to fellowshipfinancial.com. That's fellowshipfinancial.com. Click on the radio show tab. And you can listen to this or other archived episodes of the program on your calendar.
2: Michael, this has been a great show. I wish we had these listeners with us in the studio because it'd be just a lot of fun to be able to dig a little bit deeper. But we got a really good question here from Brenda. And of course, Brenda kind of just represents a lot of listeners. And her question is about Social Security. She says, when is the best time to start Social Security? Brenda goes on and says, I'm 64 and still working. My husband is 66 and is about to retire. We're not sure whether to start his now or wait and collect the additional 8%. She goes on and says, my full social security will be 2,000 and his will be 3,000. So I guess, Michael, I think the first question I got for you is what's up with this 8% stuff she's talking about?
0: Yeah. A lot of people hear the 8%, and I'm glad you brought that up, Brenda, because it's a very valid point. The 8%, what happens is when you reach full retirement age, then there's no longer a deduction from social security. Once you get past your full retirement age, which depending on when you were born, it's going to be either 66 or 67. If you wait beyond that, then the government gives you 8%, they call it a delayed credit, each year that you wait on starting Social Security. It's kind of like a bonus, right? They're going to give you a raise just for waiting. So that's the good news. The bad news is that you can't wait indefinitely. There's no benefit to starting after age 70. That 8% goes away after age 70. I mean, when I say goes away, meaning it doesn't continue to grow by 8%. And that 8% is a simple interest calculation. So it's not 8% compounded, which would be a higher number. In this particular case, 8% over four years for Brenda's husband would be about $960 a month. Now, that's certainly a lot of money. I mean, close to $1,000 a month. And if you think about it on a monthly term, well, you might say, well, it's not that much. Well, is it really worth waiting? Well, you throw that out over a 25-year period of time, that's almost $300,000. So Dave, the question I would ask you is, can you use an extra $300,000 over your lifetime plus cost of living adjustments? Because the government still gives you those.
2: Yeah, that's good. I love the way you've just really isolated and pulled out the different variables and made it really clear. I think most people would say, yeah, I really could. Even though we don't know what our life expectancy is, we kind of need to plan on retirement lasting longer than we think it is. And if it doesn't last that long, then we won't be upset that we planned for it lasting long. So that 300,000, kind of a big deal. And I think I'm glad to point that deal. out. Yeah, and I think the other thing I think about, you know, she's 64, her husband is 66. If normal life expectancy plays out, she'll survive her husband by maybe five, six, seven, eight years or longer. And so the question then becomes, when should her husband start his Social Security. I know we don't know a lot of the other situations as far as their other resources, but you know, Michael, one of the things that I like for our listeners to think about is this concept of survivor income, confusion about how that works. I guess I just want our listeners to know, look, if both of you are on Social Security, when one of you passes away, the survivor will keep the highest Social Security. So any way you slice it, When one of you dies, someone's losing the smallest social security. Well, if her husband waited until 70 to claim his social security, then what that means is if she survives him, she will have the highest survivor income from a social security perspective. So those are just some things Mm -hmm. also they need to be thinking about, Michael.
0: Yeah, no question. And the answer to this question is a little more complex because it depends on what are the resources that you have available to you, how much income you actually need when you retire, and a host of other things. So as fiduciaries, we can't give you an individual answer over the air, but these general ideas are very, very important to take into consideration. And I always tell people, like you kind of alluded to just a minute ago, it's always better to plan for 30 years in retirement, maybe you only live 20, but it's a heck of a lot better to plan for 30 and live 20 than to plan for 20 and live 30. That means you may be living under a bridge, and we don't want that for any of our listeners. Social security is a big question that we get from a lot of folks. And if you've got questions about social security and when to start it, I want to urge you to reach out to Fellowship Financial, 844-308-4861. Again, that's 844 308 4861 and take advantage of that free retirement risk review. We'll get it on the calendar. We'll talk to you about your social security options, look at the other pieces and the risks that exist there and help you make an informed decision. And guess what? It's absolutely free. So call us at 844-308-4861 or go to fellowshipfinancial.com and schedule that free retirement risk review today. Well, thanks so much for being with us here on the Retirement Income Show. I'm Michael Eastham here with my good friend, Dave Stearns, and we're both financial advisors, and we are guiding the ship on today's Retirement Income Show, where we're taking your questions and giving you the answers you need to make informed decisions about your retirement. Thanks so much for being here. Well, Dave, we've gotten through a few really meaty questions And I'm going to add to that pile here. This one is from Robert. Robert says, my wife and I are concerned about the cost of long-term care. We're both in good health now, but want to be good stewards of our savings as well. What are the options available and how do you choose between them? So Dave, I know this is one of those areas, one of the deep ends of the pool that you like to swim a lot. Why don't you help Robert out here, at least get started?
2: Wow, that's great. I've got my goggles on before we go into this uh, deep <laughs> end here, <laughs> Mike. You might
0: need a wetsuit too.
2: <laughs> that's right. Because this is not a fun topic. I think some people would rather go get an exam at the doctor's office than talk about this topic. You know, the thing about it is, is at the end of the day, this is a pretty big risk that our clients face. And, you know, if we can just leave the emotion out of it, you know, long-term care insurance agent salespeople like to get into the emotional part of this. This is just talking about transferring a risk. It's kind of a big risk. You know, when you go into old age, your body begins to break down and we don't know how it's gonna break down. That's really what we call morbidity. And so the reality is, is look, if you go into retirement and you've got the best income investment strategies on the planet and you've got great emergency reserves and a little bit of pension and good social security, if you don't insulate that retirement nest egg from this risk, then you haven't really completed a good financial plan. So Michael, there's a lot of things to do it. I mean, you can even look at legal documents and legal planning, but I think what I want our listeners to realize is maybe transferring the risk. I mean, Robert says they're in good health. I don't know their age, but a lot of financial planners would say, well, the perfect age to buy this is age 64. And I don't like that advice. The best age to buy long-term care- When you're healthy- it'd be the day before you need it. But since you don't know when that day is, I would say to Robert, look, if you're healthy, get a good financial advisor to help you look at a traditional long-term care insurance. Heck, even compare it to one of the hybrid long-term care insurance policies and see if you could even qualify for it. If you can, I think it would bring a lot of peace of mind, Robert, to you and your wife as you continue on into retirement. I don't know, Michael, what are your thoughts about all that?
0: Yeah. Now, Robert didn't give us a whole lot of information about their financial situation, but I will tell you that what I found is that the sweet spot, if you will, for somebody who's considering long-term care insurance to shift that risk, like you described, is somewhere between $500,000 spent in assets and maybe $2 million in assets. If you're under that level, then most likely Medicaid is going to be your provider for long-term care. And if you're over that level, then you may want to consider the benefits of self-insuring where you can earmark some dollars rather than take into consideration additional costs for insurance because make no bones about it. There is a cost to having a long-term care policy. You're shifting risk to an insurance company and you want to make sure that you make the right decision about it. Robert, Mm -hmm. thanks so much for that question. We'd love to chat more about it. And if you have questions about your long-term care options, then I want to encourage you to reach out to Fellowship Financial at 844-308-4861. Again, that's 844-308-4861. Or go to fellowshipfinancial.com. That's fellowshipfinancial.com. You can schedule a call where we'll talk to you about your long-term care options. We'll talk to you about what your needs are and the resources that you have so that you can put long-term care in the right place in your overall financial plan. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Retirement Income Show. I'm Michael Eastham with Fellowship Financial Group, and I'm here with Dave Stearns, my good friend and fellow financial advisor. Together, we are running the show today, the Retirement Income Show, where we're taking your questions and giving you the answers you need to live that stress-free retirement you always dreamed of and deserve. Well, Dave, as we round out the program, this is a big question. We may not be able to get to the entire thing simply because it can go pretty deep. But Brad's asking, I've been invested in the same four mutual funds in my 401k for 25 years, and they've done quite well. I'm going to retire within the year, and I need to figure out what to do with my investments. I've heard you guys talk about income investing, and I'm not really sure what you mean. Are you talking about bond funds? Can you help me understand a little better? Dave, what do you think?
2: Well, I think the thing I want to point out to Brad, I'm glad his mutual funds did well. And, you know, with all yep. due respect to his four mutual funds, many of them would have done well for 25 years when you didn't need to call on them for income. But now, all of a sudden, Brad is not going to be in that same stage he was for those 25 years. He's moving into That's the right. income stage. So, yeah, I think I think we've got to really help him realize mutual funds in retirement income, like bond funds, eh, those aren't really going to work. Having a bond mutual fund in retirement trying to get income is like knowing you're probably going to end up selling shares just to get income. There's really a better way, Michael. What would you say to
0: Brad? Yeah, even the bond funds, it's a false sense of security because ultimately you're likely to have to sell shares. Selling shares when the market's up is okay, but there's no guarantee that the market's going to be up And you don't need me to tell you that over a 30-year retirement, the market's going to stay up every single year. Most likely, it's going to go down. When the market goes down and you're selling shares, you're cannibalizing your principal. What you need to do is shift from things like bond funds or mutual funds that require you to sell to things like individual bonds or preferred stocks, bond-like instruments that are designed to pay you interest. Because why? Cash is king, Dave. Cash is king. Cash can replace your paycheck, interest and dividends can pay you so that you can accomplish all the things that you have and all the things that you worked so hard for while you were working. Now it's time to enjoy that retirement. Making sure that you make that shift, Brad is going to be the most important thing you can do. Well, Dave, believe it or not, we are out of time on this episode of the Retirement Income Show. I don't know where the time goes, But I want to encourage our listeners to tune back in with us. Thanks so much for being with us. Make it an amazing week with the ones you love. And we'll be back again real soon with another episode of the Retirement Income Show. That's all the time we have
1: for today. To speak with Michael Eastham off
0: the air, call
1: 844-308-4861. That's 844-308-4861. And for more information about Fellowship Financial, visit us online at fellowshipfinancial.com. That's fellowshipfinancial.com. We will be back again next week at this same time for another Retirement Income Show. The opinions expressed on this radio show are based upon information considered reliable, though it should not be relied upon as such. Information presented is for educational purposes only. Moreover, no listener should assume any discussions or information presented serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Advisory services offered through Fellowship Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Fellowship Financial and Fellowship Investment Advisors,
2: LLC are affiliated entities.